Church, while we're in this moment of pondering the violence that Jesus suffered for us, we had prayer time earlier this morning, but I would like to us just to have a moment of prayer right now. Our country is suffering violence. We are in a time where it can feel very scary and random, and there is a spirit of violence out there. Jesus died to bring us into new life and to overcome that spirit. What I'd like to do right now is just simply pray for those affected this past week by these shootings. There are families in deep, deep grief. There are communities in deep, deep chaos and and fear and remorse. And let's just pray for these places that have most recently suffered this violence. Father, we bring before you the people of Gilroy, California. The people of El Paso, Texas. And the people of Dayton, Ohio. Have mercy on us, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Comfort those who mourn. Bind up the brokenhearted. Please anoint the ministers in these cities that have a big task ahead of them to heal the wounds, to bring restoration. Please pour out your grace. You said that where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. I pray for these communities that there would be an overflow of your grace and your power and your uplifting that is beyond anything that the natural could create, that by your spirit, oh God, that you would bring a, a binding up, God, with your grace of these communities. And I pray for our country that you would set us free. Please, God, have mercy on us and set us free from these violent acts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. Thank you. We are in week three of our study of the book of Colossians, Cosmos, Christ, Community. By way of quick review, we talked in week one about the fact that this book is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae, a church that he had never met in person. The main theme of this book is the supremacy of Christ. And in chapter one, we see the familiar triad of hope, faith, and love. And I shared them in tandem with cosmos, Christ, and community. That hope that we're given is of a new world, a new reality in Christ. That faith is in Christ. It's not just my faith. It's not like all religion, like whatever your faith is. The faith is in Jesus Christ. And then the love of the community is just t talked about in this book a lot. The reality of how we live out the love of God with each other. Last week, we explored how Christ is the creator 
of all things, both seen and unseen. He is the visible image of the invisible God. And he has reconciled all things unto God through his death on the cross. We talked a moment about invisible things and that I learned that there's legit scientists at work right now. Listen up, Harry Potter fans, making an invisibility cloak, a real thing. I don't know how it's going to work and how big the object that it can make invisible will be, but it's actually a thing that people are working on. God is the creator of all things. Jesus reconciled us to him because he pinned himself between heaven and earth, nailed to a cross. He brought, it says, all things, invisible and visible, into him. And we are brought near his blood that we just celebrated was dispersed throughout everything. I don't understand how blood that was shed 2000 years ago today is making a difference on my sin, but this, but it is, I don't have to understand how the truth is his blood was dispersed through everything visible and invisible, overcoming anything that will attempt to keep us away. Instead, it opened the pathway to knowing him. And that is what eternal life is, is knowing him. We talked about in the introduction that the church at Colossae was established by one of the Apostle Paul's co-workers by the name of Epaphras. And I'd like to take a moment to to talk a little bit more about that context of the city of Colossae. In the 5th and 4th centuries BC, so four or 500 years before this was written, it was described as a populous, large, and wealthy city. Its commercial significance was due to its wool industry. It was located on the southern bank of the river Lycus, and its fertile valley included crops of figs and olives. But at this time, it was, had been a city in decline. And by now, by the time that the Apostle Paul is writing them, it, was, it had become known as a small town. And something about that description captured me. I've pondered on that. And, you know, America has many of these places, towns that where the factories have closed, jobs have disappeared, and the once busy streets have become empty and desolate. Big cities see decline as major industry shifts have taken place. Current day church planting efforts involve demographic, economic, strategic studies as a major component in guiding where to go plant. Generally, the leaders and decision makers are looking for areas of anticipated growth, new families moving into the area, and the potential for developing a financially stable core group to help the new church thrive. That makes sense, but here's the deal. There's not usually a notion of going and looking for a community that's in decline. There's not usually a, like, here's a great place to go plant a church, a place that used to be big that is now basically just a small town. But I'm so thankful that this is exactly where the Holy Spirit led in this case. Epaphras, the one who built this church, was from Colossae. He was exposed to the gospel in the big city of Ephesus. And thank God he went home and shared the gospel and planted this church. To me, it's a picture of God's love and grace. 
Maybe the world would say to you, your best days are behind you. You are on the decline. Maybe the statistics are not in your favor and you don't look like a good candidate for seeing a move of God, but God sees you. You are not on the decline in his eyes. He has a plan for you and you are important in the kingdom of God. The gospel is meant for all people everywhere, big cities, small towns, country villages, blue states, red states, north, south, east, and west. The gospel is good news to every one of us. I hope that you've had a chance Actually, I'm going to back up. The gospel is good news to every one of us. Amen. Amen. I hope you've had a chance to do, um, as I've asked, and read through the entire book of Colossians. It's about a 20-minute read. But today we're in chapter 2. And so we're going to start at verse 1. Colossians chapter 2, it will be on the screen. It's also in the YouVersion app on today's event if you want to look there. Let's read the word of the Lord. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built On him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every rule and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Hallelujah. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. 
Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. This is the word of the Lord. Father, please, please help me to share your word as you've given it. Help our ears to receive it and help us to be nourished today according to what you are telling us from this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to pull out a few things from, these, from this passage that we just read. It's rich. There's a lot in there. Uh, but here's the first thing. In, those, in verses 16 through 19, no rules, just right. Do you remember that ad campaign from Outback Steakhouse? No rules, just right. It, they, they were cultivating a sort of rebellious reputation as though something about their restaurant was breaking someone's rules. I don't know what they were, but, but as far as the food, it was just right. And you were going to get a good steak prepared just the way you like it. Well, the Colossians were being buffeted by some teaching that was trying to impose a lot of rules on them. Paul is not saying that there isn't right from wrong. But he is saying that trying to live right simply through rules does not work. In the old days of our fellowship, there was some of this rulemaking going on, such as hairstyles, fashion, entertainment choices, jewelry, makeup, etc. Some of you might remember some of that. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Patty. Um, Here's the thing, inevitably, when we get hung up on rules, we begin to focus on the wrong things and lose sight of what is real. Paul is saying, focus on Christ. Live your new life in his power, not in dependency on rules, all right? Having your rule for life, having your system that you follow, that's great, but we can't go around imposing, you have to do this or else. Different thing, right? Okay. Secondly, Christ is all in all. He is the head of the church. Okay. He's the head. And we can grow down into him. And it says we can build our lives on him. So all of these metaphors are given for Christ. There's this agricultural slash biological term that we can grow our roots down into Christ. As we continue to follow him, we're going to be growing like that tree planted by the streams of water. The roots go down deep, creating a strong base so the tree can grow upward and tall and the branches lengthen out. And he also uses this architectural engineering um, metaphor and says, build your life on Christ, that he is the foundation, the cornerstone, that solid place that allows a strong life to be built. So that, that is base. That's what this passage is telling us. 
And then it goes in and it says, canceled debts and disarmed threats. And here's the thing. What is it that makes us turn to man-made rules and structures? You see, he was telling them, stop it with the rule stuff. That's not going to get your life built how you want it. Build your life on Christ, the strong foundation. What? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we put our roots into the philosophy of the world instead of Christ? Why would we build our life on flimsy imitations of God? Instead of on the firm foundation of Jesus. Well, here's a couple of reasons. There's probably more. But one is the guilt of sin. The enemy tries to condemn us. And make us cower. Because of the mountain of mistakes that have been in our lives. Now, maybe you, maybe mine's a mountain and yours is a molehill. I don't know. But there's a lot there. That I'm aware of. And the enemy lies. And makes me think. That we're not worthy of the life. That God has for us. But this is what this passage tells us. Our debts. Have been cancelled. Cancelled. Gone. Not there anymore. Through the crust. He says then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave. All of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. He forgave all of your sins. He forgave the ones you did yesterday. And if you do one tomorrow, it's not going to take him by surprise. It's already covered. I'm not telling you to go out and sin. Don't hear that. But I'm telling you, you're not going to get You're not going to outrun the grace of God. He's already canceled those debts. And then the other thing that goes on with us is fear. Those invisible rulers and authorities are real. And they lie to us constantly. They threaten us. They intimidate us. And Colossians tells us that those threats have been disarmed. In verse 15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Whatever weapons have been formed against you will not prosper. They will not prosper. Jesus has won the victory over every foe on the cross and he has disarmed them. They don't have any power over us. So... You might be saying, Pastor Brenda, that sounds great. Jesus is the head. We can build our life on him. We don't have to follow man-made rules. We have canceled debts, and he has disarmed the threats. Awesome. But my real life is still falling apart right now. I am facing challenges and difficulties that seem to have no answer. There are some problems in my family that are not changing. In fact, they're getting worse. What am I supposed to do? Tomorrow, Tuesday, next Thursday, how do I find my way forward? That is a very valid question and one that I wish I was better at answering. 
But I put it to the Lord. I said, what is your answer, Father, to those who are listening today that are in desperate need of hope? They love you, Lord. They serve you, Lord. But they are hurting and uncertain about their future. So I looked to today's text, and here's the answer I think the Lord gave me in verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. How did you accept Jesus as your Lord? Can you remember the time, the place, the urgency, how life changed? how you lived differently. Just as you accepted Christ, you must continue to follow him. In 2004, Craig was diagnosed with cancer. We had no clear understanding of what it meant. What was the battle ahead going to be like? What was the prognosis? I had to face the fear of being a young widow. I was 44 at the time. This is what continuing to follow him meant for me in that season. I heard God say to me to avoid asking what if questions. Don't go there. Don't wonder about what if this happens. Or what if we had done this differently? God told me he would not answer any what if questions. So don't even ask them. (laughs) Thanks, Lord. But he also told me I could ask him what next as many times a day as I needed to. And that he would Be faithful to answer that question every time. Every step of the way. What next, Lord? Just as I accepted Christ Jesus as my Lord, that thrilling experience of feeling so close to him, knowing his love, and sensing faith burning in my heart, I must continue to follow him. And because we can grow our roots down into him, because we can literally build our life on him, I am stronger now than I was 15 years ago when Craig was first diagnosed with cancer. Keep in mind, this letter to the Colossians was written from prison. Circumstances were not going in Paul's favor. And yet he was encouraging these believers to stay strong, to build their life on Christ, overcome their small town mentality with an understanding of their place in the greater kingdom of God. 
I would love it if our circumstances, our health issues, our family dynamics and work relationships and everything we face from day to day would be problem free. But that's not going to happen. What is real and true and authentic is that how we go through the problems of life is very different because of Jesus Christ. Our community here at Vienna Assembly of God has been through a tough year in 2019. Many of you have had serious trials and situations that you are facing. And I want to encourage you today, we're not alone. There is a real attack on people of faith right now, and it's not just your imagination. Now, I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging, but I just want you to know you're not alone and it's real. And we serve a risen Savior that has overcome. I heard a pastor speaking at General Council this week. He said that every pastor he's spoken to, which is a lot of people, every single pastor he's spoken to is facing a significant challenge personally, not just, you know, in the church. There are real attacks happening. But let's choose to support each other in continuing to follow him. Ask him, what next? Step by step by step. And trust him to give you that next step. Don't withdraw from one another. But lean in. And let's don't discount the power of prayer lifting each other up. Amen. Amen. What are we to do? How did you accept Jesus Christ as Lord? Just as you accepted him, you must continue what next, step by step, to follow him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would make this so real to us right now. You put to shame those enemies of God on the cross. Those things we can't even see. Help us to lift our eyes to you. To continue to follow you. The circumstances are big and in our face and piled high and make it difficult, Lord. We need your help. We need your guidance and your lifting power to overcome. And I pray for every one of us that we would find that that place again, just as we received you, that that love, that power, that mercy, that grace, that deliverance, that light from darkness, oh God, make it fresh, make it real, 
Make it today so that we can continue to follow you. To take it step by step, asking you what next and knowing that you will answer. Knowing that you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I pray for every person here that there be movement this week, that there be something, that glimmer of hope, that a sign from you, a a confirmation of your love, You said you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you would follow your word with signs and wonders. God, I don't have that power in myself. I wish that that, that I could just uh, make it happen, but that's, that's not who I am. It's only through you, through your Holy Spirit. And so I'm praying for signs and wonders to follow this word, that there be a, a knowing and a sign of confirmation in our spirit that you are doing the work. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for that. And I look forward to hearing what you're, what you're doing this week to show people the way forward, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Let's don't rush out the door. Let's connect with each other. If there's anything that you want personal prayer over, I'll, be, I'll hang out here at the altar for a moment. But let's just trust God. As you found Christ, continue to follow him. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen.